0: This is the Future Forward Aarhus podcast, where we're exploring tomorrow, today, on the radio. Catch us live, Wednesdays at 6pm, on Student Aarhus Radio. I'm with Annette Markham, who is a professor of information studies at Aarhus University and director of Creating Future Memory Project. Annette, thank you so much for coming on Future Forward Aarhus.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Big data, I think, is a really complex topic in, in that it people believe they require a background in computer science, privacy regulation, business law to really understand you know, how it all works. But what's interesting about the Creating Future Memory project is you're using art and participatory performances, speculative fiction, as a way to sort of help people better conceptualize this topic. So why go about it uh,
1: in that way? Well, as you said, it's because most people think that big data or datification of society is a complex topic. And what we really want to do is break it down and make it as easy as possible. As part of the project, we developed what we call the Museum of Random Memory, MORM. And what we're doing with MORM is we're running exhibitions where we invite people or lure them in by saying, hey, do you want to donate a memory to our museum? And then we act as curators or uncurators to have people look through their personal device or through their pockets to find something to donate to our museum. And in the process of having that conversation, then we start to talk about, oh, how much data do you think you produce on your own phone? Do you know who's tracking your data? And here, would you like to look at this program that shows who's tracking your data? And through a process of fun and maybe playful conversations, we're helping citizens think about the extent to which they produce personal big data
0: people have been recording history literally forever i mean since we've been drawing pictures on the walls of caves so you know what what is really really fundamentally different about recording history in this in this time of big
1: data most of it is happening at the scale of corporate entities so it's happening in big companies that aggregate lots of data sources so it's it's on a scale that's huge and on the other hand everything is digital rather than analog so you combine those two things and they lead to an interesting outcome. On the one hand, it's all digital and therefore it's it's always there, but it's really hard to find. And on the other hand, you have it in the hands of many, many companies.
0: How do you anticipate this will change how we share memories in the future? You know, say with uh, grandchildren, you know, with my grandparents, we went through photo albums and, you know, we'll have this archive of old photos, um, you know, in, in these boxes, shoe shoeboxes. Um, But I don't really anticipate clicking through my Facebook photo albums with my grandchildren, but maybe that's just how things will be.
1: We already have begun to bury hundreds of thousands of pieces of material in our own hard drives. They're the equivalent of shoving a bunch of photographs in a shoebox and putting it in the attic. My idea would be to have an International Memory Day, one day a year, where people would go through their digital archives and figure out what to keep and what to throw away. I mean, Facebook's happy to do it for you, your year in review, and they'll remind us of our friendversaries. So it's, it's interesting to think about how the platform's themselves or the affordances of the platforms encourage certain kinds of memory making and discourage other kinds of memory making.
0: Right. And that's largely, you know, it's it's financially incentivized. So the memories you have that make money for a company may be very different from the memories that are sort of invaluable to you. And I think that's a really key difference in how memories and archives are, are changing in this digital age, is that you sort of have this middleman of a um, tech corporation that's telling you what you should
1: be uh, prioritizing as things you remember or not. And we have to keep in mind that the, the reason they're doing that is ad-driven. Everything that has to do with archiving is not simply altruistic. It is meant to help advertisers profile us more specifically into categories that makes advertising more effective.
0: And Europe has, has been sort of on a bit of the forefront of this idea of how to help people control what information from their past is online or stays offline. For example, the right to forget policy where you can um, you know perhaps petition to have certain search results not show up um, if it's something that is you don't really want to be a part of your online history. So what do you think about those data privacy regulations? Will that
1: offer us more control? So the GDPR gives you the right to be forgotten, but there are so many other things that are relevant in terms of archiving that I think get sidestepped or that are not part of that discussion. For example, do we collect everybody's Instagram posts? And if so, what about those people or activities that aren't related to Instagram. Does that mean that those activities are not archived because they're not digital?
0: So do you think there is a future for analog history?
1: Oh, yeah, there's a future for analog history. It's, I think, going to be really important for people to disconnect more often, to have strategies for organizing their information, and to think about what kinds of memorabilia they want to produce.
0: But I suppose that probably won't come from tech companies and perhaps may come more from grassroots efforts or academia.
1: In some ways, some of our tech companies, because they're the ones who end up on the front page of the newspaper when something goes wrong or when data is released and people's privacy is violated, these companies are also very invested in making change that governments may not be able to make. We, in the academic world of, of internet studies anyway, we spend a lot of time trying to put our PhD students and our our own ideas into the tech companies' hands because we know that they're the ones who can actually make changes. And they're the ones who can control the interfaces. And so they're the ones whose minds need to be changed or who just need to maybe come to our museum of random memory to be reminded of how fragile memory is and how just simply having it into data or digital form isn't going to suddenly make it present for people in the future.
0: All right, well, again, I have been with Annette Markham, who's Professor of Information Studies at Aarhus University and Director of the Creating Future Memory Project. Annette, thank you again for being
1: here. Thanks. It was fun.
0: Is the Future Forward host podcast, where we're exploring tomorrow, today, on the radio. Catch us live
1: Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on Student Host Radio.